Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you because you have given us your word and spoken to us in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. We thank and praise you, Heavenly Father, for what we uh, will learn tonight about how to honour people in your family. We pray that we may understand what your word says and that we may um, be able to think carefully about how it applies to us in our lives and then put it into practice in our lives. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We Aussies, we Aussies are a bit strange when it comes to honouring people. Now, we do honour some people. I know people talk about the uh, tall poppy syndrome and so on, but Australians do honour some people. Uh, especially we honour sports players. We honour our grand final heroes in the football or our cricketers, you know, Ricky Ponting and Shane Warne. And Glenn. They're, they're national heroes, these blokes. They, they come back from winning the World Cup and they are given ticker tape parades down the main streets of the cities. We, we think highly of our sports stars. We try to copy them. We wish our children would grow up to be like them. They are role models, apparently, for us. And we pay them millions of dollars. I saw in the paper this week, I saw that Lottie Takiri just got five, a $5 million contract to play rugby for New South Wales. But apparently somebody told me this morning it's in fact a $6 million contract. They're calling him Steve Austin, the $6 million man. Lottie Takiri to play football for New South Wales, $6 million. Uh, we also honour uh, honor so-called celebrities. We honour rock stars, we honour actors and actresses, we honour people on the TV or in the newspaper or in the magazines. We, we dress like them, we try to smoke the same cigarettes as them and drink the same soft drinks as them and uh, we pay lots of money to take their photos and listen to the stories of their latest immoralities. We, we love to honour sports stars and celebrities but then at the same time, we are very critical of people like politicians. We mock them. We caricature them. We whinge every time they give themselves a pay rise. We also largely ignore our scientists and researchers. We don't pay them what they're worth. We don't give them the recognition that they really want to have, and so that many of them go overseas. Similarly with teachers and with nurses. We don't recognise them, we don't pay them well, and then we wonder why not enough people want to teach our children and nurse our sick. Our Prime Minister was recently quoted as saying that he would easily give up his job as Prime Minister for the one position that he considers to be higher in the nation. That is to captain the Australian cricket team. <laughs> now, I'm sure that he's joking. I hope that he's joking. <laughs> but... Uh, but it illustrates the point. When it comes to honouring people, we Aussies have got some funny priorities. Well, as we've seen in this first letter to Timothy, Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. That's, a, that's why Jesus came. That's what he was doing as he, as he died on that cross and rose again. He was doing what it takes to rescue sinners like us from the consequences of our sin. And so now when we trust in Jesus, we receive, chapter 1, verse 16, eternal life. When we trust in Jesus, we receive eternal life. And when we trust in Jesus, we take our place in God's family. That's what the church is. It is God's 
household, chapter 3, verse 15, God's family of saved sinners. Church is God's family. And so Paul has told Timothy, you've got to treat people in church like family. It's there in the first two verses of chapter 5. Timothy has to see, has to treat older men as fathers. He has to treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters. Church is family. We need to treat people in church like family. And when it comes to older people, what that means is we need to treat them like our mums and dads. That's what it's saying there. Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And, and that is where the concept of honour comes in. The Bible is perfectly clear about how we have to treat our mums and dads. It's in the Old Testament. Jesus repeats it. Paul repeats it again. We have to honour our mums and dads. And so Paul goes on to say in chapter 5 that we have to honour older women. He refers specifically to widows and he says the church has to honour widows. And we saw last week that that means, uh, sometimes means giving them financial help and it sometimes means registering them for service to the church. Well now in chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul goes on to a second group of people that need to be honoured. And this time uh, it's a group of older men. He uses the same word that he used back in verse 1, where he said, back in verse 1, do not rebuke an older man harshly. It's exactly the same word that he uses now in verse 17. He's dealing with a particular subset of older men. We don't want to read too much modern uh, church offices and things like that. He's not talking about the, the Presbyterian elders of, of the Presbyterian Church of New South Wales there in chapter 5, verse 17. He's talking about the older men. But he's dealing with a particular, particular subset of older men. He's talking about the older men who do a good job looking after the church. Paul says, for these older men, uh, these older men who do a good job, who, who work hard, labour at teaching and exercising authority in the church, he says, for these older men, there should be double honour. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. The elders... The older men who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is, or better, those who, who work hard at preaching and teaching. Now, now, we've got to see this in the context of 1 Timothy. Remember the, 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 the situation in the church at Ephesus. Ephesus has been led astray by blokes who, to quote Paul in chapter 1, verse 7, blokes who don't know what they're talking about. This church has been taught rubbish about how we can keep God's law. This church has been taught junk about how abstaining from marriage and certain foods is godliness. And Timothy's job, part of his job, is to stop the false teaching. Chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul says, you've got to tell these blokes to stop teaching false doctrines. Ephesus has really suffered under false teachers. And I guess the temptation would be to become very suspicious of church leaders and teachers. The temptation would be to lump them all together in the same category. They're all a pack of losers. They should go out and get a real job. No, but Paul says no. In verse 1 he says to Timothy, even the blokes you've got to exhort, you've got to exhort like your dad, with honour. And now he's saying... Older blokes who do a good job teaching the church and, and looking after the church, they're worth double honour. 
We should honour them like fathers, the same as we honour all older men. But for these blokes, there should be even more honour. should be double honour. The, the church should hold them in the highest regard. The church should love them, thank them, respect them. Because what these guys are doing is of, is of eternal, profound value. And, and then what Paul does then in the next section is he... He gives specific practical examples of what it's going to mean to honour these older blokes who look after the church well. Now first, like like with the widows we saw last week, uh, honouring may well include financial support. If someone's working hard, if they're doing a good job teaching, looking after the church, the church should support them, give them money so they can devote even more time to teaching and leading. Now Paul justifies that understanding of honour with two quotes. Now, the first one is uh, from an Old Testament law about oxen. You know, those big, fat animals like bulls. I don't think he's saying elders are big, fat animals like bulls, but they are like oxen in one particular way. Uh, God said that you shouldn't muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. That is, you shouldn't keep its mouth clamped shut while it's threshing the grain for you. If the ox is threshing your grain for you, God says you should let it eat some of your grain. You don't starve the animal that's working for you. You let it share in the benefits of its work. Now, that's the first quote. And then Paul also quotes from Jesus himself, where Jesus said that a worker deserves to get paid. And so verse 18, For the scripture says, Do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Can you see what Paul's saying? If a bloke's doing a good job looking after the church, if he's working hard at teaching and preaching, the church should pay him. Don't let him starve while he's working for you. You wouldn't even do that to an ox, let alone to an elder. So that's the first practical way. Help financially. The second practical way of honouring the older men who look after the church has got to do with um, accusations. Paul talks about what happens when a leader gets accused of something. Now, on the one hand, he says that you need to protect him. You've got to protect him from false accusations, from frivolous or vexatious allegations. Paul says, no accusation against an elder should be heard unless there is proper evidence. And he refers back to the Old Testament for how you find proper evidence. That is at least two witnesses to establish an accusation. Verse 19. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. So you've got to protect these older men looking after the church. But then on the other hand, if an accusation is proved, it needs to be taken very, very seriously. Church leaders are in the public eye. Church leaders are set up by the church as examples for people to follow. And so proved sin needs to be rebuked in the public eye for people to be able to see the example. Verse 20. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. And then Paul charges Timothy in the most serious possible language. He charges him, you must make sure this happens with utter fairness. There is no place for favouritism, no place for impartiality when you're dealing with church leadership, no place for jobs for the boys or nepotism or winking at sin. We are not dealing with, with people's family here. We are dealing with God's family here. And it is vital that church leaders be given impartial justice, both in protecting the innocent, but also in rebuking the guilty. Verse 21. 
I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Okay, can you see where we are now? See where we've been so far? Older blokes who serve the church should be honoured. Double honour, plenty of honour. For some that'll mean paying for them and for all of them it'll mean dealing with accusations with openness and with fairness. Uh, Paul then talks about the process of appointing older men to teach and look after the church. In the Bible that was done by putting your hands on a person. That was kind of giving your seal of approval to the person. And Paul says to Timothy, don't be too quick to do it. Take your time in appointing people to leadership because he says, if you rush in and they end up sinning and causing trouble, you've actually shared in their sin and you don't want to do that. Verse 22. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Now, Sean, it was, I think, in Bible study during the week who, who uh, gave us a good illustration of, of how this works. It's a little bit like if you, if you write a reference for someone. Apparently, there's our former federal shadow attorney general, a man by the name of Kelvin Thompson. And uh, Kelvin Thompson was asked to write a reference for a man called Tony Mockbell. And uh, he wrote a, a glowing reference for him. To, I think it was to help him open a pub or something. Uh, But it turns out that Tony Mockbell is a convicted drug dealer. And so when the uh, shadow attorney general has written a glowing reference for this former drug dealer, he shares in the sin. He, Kelvin Thompson, the former, um, the now former, the uh, the, uh, shadow attorney general got himself into trouble. He ended up having to resign from politics because of it. He approved a bloke and when he turned out to be a, a shonk, he shared in the sin. In a similar way, Paul is saying to Timothy, if you, if you are too hasty about giving leaders your stamp of approval and they turn out to be shonky, you will share in their sin. And so he says to, to Timothy, you've got to keep yourself pure from that kind of sin. You've got to take your time before you appoint leaders and so be free from blame. Near the end of verse 22, keep yourself pure. The thing is, talking about purity uh, rings some bells for Paul um, because uh, you've got all these people in the church saying that purity, godliness is all about abstaining from stuff like, uh, like sex and food and so on. And so Paul quickly, uh, in an aside, clarifies. He says, look, of course, Timothy, when, when I tell you about being pure, I'm not talking about just drinking water. He says, you've got a sore tummy. Go ahead, drink, drink have, have a bit of uh, wine for your stomach. Verse 23, stop drinking only water. Use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. But then Paul quickly comes back to the issue and he gives another reason why Timothy has to be very careful to take his time about appointing leaders. And this this reason is that um, you can't see what a person is like straight away. It's like that with people's sin. You can see some people's sin straight away. away. It's like this big sign out in front of them. Sinner, coming your way, sort of thing. But, uh, But with other people, he says their sin trails behind them. That is, it takes a fair while before you can see it. So verse 24, the sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. And similarly with good deeds. You see some good deeds straight away, as people blow a trumpet to advertise them, but some are hidden. 
It takes a, a while for them to bubble up to the surface. Verse 25. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not cannot be hidden. You see, it can take some time to see what a person is really like. It can take time to see their weaknesses and sinful character for, for it to come to light. It can take time for their, their strengths and their good character to come to light. And so the point is, Timothy, take your time. Take your time. Observe potential leaders for a while. Make sure, Timothy, you know them well. All right, well, that's what, uh, that's what Paul says to Timothy, writing to Timothy, dealing with the church in Ephesus 2,000 years ago. He says to Timothy, the older men who are doing a good job teaching and looking after the church, they are worthy of heaps of honour, double honour. Uh, the church should pay for them. And they need to be dealt with openly and fairly. And they need to be chosen carefully. You see what Paul's saying to Timothy. Okay, well, now let's think about what that is saying to us here in Chatswood 2,000 years down the track. What, what does this mean for us? How does this apply to our church? Well, I think it, it applies very directly and very obviously. We need to ask ourselves the question, are there any old blokes doing a good job looking after the church here? Is there anyone here working hard at teaching us? Well, I reckon it's quite obvious that uh, Tom here and Barry, who was here a second ago, and Laurie, who you saw last week, they are older men doing a good job here. They are working hard. I reckon Warren's doing a good job here for an old fella. Um, <laughs> of course, age isn't the only issue, is it? Uh, Timothy himself wasn't old, but he was doing a good job teaching and serving the church. Back in chapter 4, verse 12, Paul said to him, don't let anyone look down on you because you are so young. Uh, Timothy is also a leader who needs to be honoured for his hard work for the sake of the gospel. Perhaps it's not double honour in the sense that you're honouring him as an old man and honouring him for his leadership in the church, but certainly he should be honoured for his leadership in the church and similarly here. And so not all of our elders are old men, but I think our elders, so-called, are doing a good job directing the affairs of our church well. Many of them are working hard at teaching, leading Bible studies and uh, teaching in youth group and other things. Our committee of management is working hard to look after our church. Our Bible study leaders are doing a good job working hard teaching us. Our Bible college students are working hard to teach us and to teach the children in our church. Our Sunday school teachers working hard to teach the children. Our youth group leaders have worked very, very hard this weekend uh, teaching the youth in our church. We've got stacks of people here in this church who are directing the affairs of the church well. Plenty of people who are working hard at teaching us. And so this passage makes us ask ourselves the question, how are we treating them? Are we treating them like God's word tells us to here? Are we honouring them? Now, Aussies are pretty good at honouring sports stars and celebrities. We're good at honouring strangers or people we see on the TV or the magazines, people we don't know. There's one thing that I've noticed about Australian culture, and that is we're a bit embarrassed to honour the people we actually know. And maybe it's because we know them too well, maybe it's because we don't want them to get a swelled head or something like that. But whatever the reason, our culture is ungodly at this point. Our culture does not match up with what the Bible says at this point. And so this is a point at which we need to go against our culture. God's word tells us 
that we should honour the blokes who serve our church well. So do you do it? Now, I'm not suggesting that you get a poster of our elders and put it up on the wall. Uh, I don't think that we should have church leader collector cards or something like that. Um, God forbid, I don't think we should have a calendar with a photo of a church leader for each month or something like that. I'm, I'm not asking for a ticker tape parade. But are there ways that you honour the people who serve you here? Do you respect the fact that people take out time to teach you about Jesus or to teach the children of our church about Jesus? Do you value that as a worthwhile and appropriate and good thing to do? These blokes are not hitting a ball for you. They're not singing a song for you. They're not doing something irrelevant and silly and worthless like that. These blokes are teaching us the true message about Jesus. They are vastly more important than the Australian cricket team. They are infinitely more important than any rock star or celebrity in a magazine. These people are helping you trust in Jesus and have eternal life. It is way more valuable, so do you value what they are doing? Do you think highly of them? Would you like to grow up to be like them? Or have your children grow up to be like them? I was very embarrassed this afternoon that uh, some people asked my children what they want to be when they grow up and my son said he wants to be the captain of the Australian cricket team, my first son, and my second son said he wants to be a crocodile hunter like Steve Irwin. <laughs> I want my children to grow up to be godly elders in the church. That's what I want. I want them to, teach, to grow up to work hard, uh, teaching the truth about the Lord Jesus. Perhaps I need to encourage them a little bit more in that direction. Have you ever, ever offered hospitality to your Bible study leader? Have you ever offered hospitality to someone who's been encouraging you in the Lord Jesus? Do you ever say thanks to them? I know they're not doing it for your thanks. I know they're doing it for God. But they do deserve your honour. I'm sure they'd appreciate it if you gave it to them. As it says in 1 Timothy, we should also pay some of the people who work hard and do a good job looking after us. Now, can I say thank you to you for your financial support for me and my family? I'm sure that Warren and our five students we're supporting this year join us in thanking you as well. We have given up jobs to serve you and to serve the Lord Jesus, so thank you for honouring that and uh, making it possible by paying for us. Also, as it says in 1 Timothy, we need to be very fair, we need to be scrupulously fair when it comes to accusations against people in leadership. If someone starts slandering or accusing a leader in our church, don't join in. Don't gossip. In fact, challenge people. Here's something, next time somebody starts having pasta for lunch or pasta for supper, uh, you know what I mean by that, uh, Maybe say to them something like, I hope you've got very good evidence for what you're saying there about the church leader who's working hard to teach you about Christ so you can have eternal life. I hope you're very sure about what you're saying as you are maligning and slandering and gossiping that man who is giving his life to help you. How'd that go, do you reckon? For the gossip that you hear. Then on the other hand, if there's good evidence, if it needs action, 
Well, don't just ignore it. Don't just gossip about it. Don't just have a little, little group about it. Talk to the person concerned. Be fair. Take it to me. Take it to one of our elders or leaders. Let's get the matter sorted out. Now, this exact thing happened uh, this very week. Uh, someone was uh, upset with me this week for an insensitive thing that I said, and they took it to their Bible study leader. They said, Bible study leader, Jeff has said something insensitive and upsetting to me. The Bible study leader said, well, the person you need to be speaking to is Jeff. Perfectly appropriate. So uh, the Bible study leader rang me, said, this person is upset and offended by something you said. I rang the person, apologised, it was sorted out, fixed, gone. It's not like having a little gossip session about it and then another little gossip session about it and then finding another person to talk to about it. Let's deal with it. Let's be fair. Let's be scrupulously fair. Let's, there's no favouritism, there's no partiality, but our leaders need to be protected from unfair criticism. And then on the other hand, they need to be accountable in an open and a fair way. Uh, we can also see from this passage that we need to choose leaders carefully. We need to take our time. Get to know people well. And that's why uh, when you first come to this church, we don't just immediately ask you to do stuff. Just let you sit for a while. Stay for a few months. Let's, let's get to know you. It's also why you won't see us standing up from here and saying, please, somebody come and teach our kids church or something like that. Um, we don't just, it's not open slather for anybody. Instead, what we do is we watch people. And when we think a person is appropriate, we'll give them a quiet tap on the shoulder. You see, we need to honour the people who serve and teach our church. That may mean paying their way. It will mean treating them with fair and open accountability and it'll mean choosing leaders with care. All right, well, very briefly, chapter 6. Chapter 6 talks about another group of people who ought to be honoured. And not the sort of of people you'd expect uh, that should be honoured straight away, but chapter 6 says that we should be honouring, or slaves should be honouring slave masters. And especially, it says, Christian slave masters. It seems that in the church in Ephesus, some of the Christian slaves were disrespecting the Christian slave masters. Maybe it was, it's hard to be someone's slave and, and work for them all week as, as like a, an inferior, but then sit next to them as an equal in church. Perhaps they were finding that difficult or something like that. Either way, whatever the reason, Paul says it's not appropriate. He says slaves should honour their masters and all the more so if they are Christians. Chapter 6 and verse 1. All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect. And literally the word there is honour. Should consider their masters worthy of full honour so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters are not to show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better. Because those who benefit from their service are believers and dear to them. These are the things you are to teach and urge on them. Now, we have to be a little bit careful about applying this passage to today. Uh, Our society is very different from first century culture on this issue. Uh, I'm not aware of any slave owners here in Australia. Most of us don't have slaves, uh, at least not while we're in Australia. I know there are a few families with slaves in Indonesia and servants in Indonesia. And listen carefully to what the Bible says if that's you. But... uh, Here in Australia, slavery is not really an issue for us. And 
I think it is unfair to equate being an employee with being a slave. They're two very different things. But still, I think that there's a very important principle here in chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. Here's the principle. You don't honour someone less because they are a Christian. Did, did you get that? Can you see how it comes from the passage? You don't honour someone less because they are a Christian. You don't do a shonky job because you're working for a Christian. You don't think to yourself, oh, it's okay, he's a Christian, he's not going to sue me and then work negligently or, or take shortcuts or something like that. If anything, when you're dealing with Christians, you do an even better job. You honour your Christian brother or sister by giving the best service that you can. Now, that's something to keep in mind as you work. But let, let me go out on a limb here. Because I reckon it's also something to keep in mind when you volunteer to do stuff at church. I know you're a volunteer. I know you're not getting paid to do what you are doing. I know you're doing us a favour by helping. But I don't think that that is any reason to give it second best. If you can't do the job properly, don't volunteer in the first place. But if you do volunteer, then show honour to your brothers and sisters here by giving it your best. Don't give it the last part of your week. Don't, oh, it'll happen next month or something like that. If anything, work harder at what you do for your brothers and sisters in Christ here than you would do for your employer or somebody else. Do you see the principle? You don't honour someone less because they're a Christian. Okay, let's conclude. Australians are pretty weird when it comes to honouring people. We honour sports stars and celebrities and rock stars. But as Christians, we need, to, we need to think a bit more carefully, a bit more sensibly about it. And we need to give honour where honour is due. So ask yourself, who do you honour? I hope it isn't really sports stars or celebrities or rock groups or something like that. I hope you're not that shallow. Um, I hope we value politicians and scientists and teachers and nurses much more highly. Uh, but more than that, I hope we value the Lord Jesus and his family above all else. I hope we can see from God's word that that is where our honour is truly due. And so I hope that that is where we are giving honour. Don't be embarrassed about it. Don't follow our culture on this. Do what God says here in Timothy. Give double honour to those older men who are serving us well and working hard at teaching us. And honour your Christian brothers and sisters by serving them well. Let's pray, and then there's a moment for questions. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank and praise you because he has come into this world to save sinners. We thank you that by faith in Jesus, we are given eternal life and welcomed into your family. We pray, Heavenly Father, that as members of your family, you will teach us to show honour where honour is due. We pray, Lord, that we might honour those who are older among us. We pray, Heavenly Father, particularly that you would help us to honour those who are older and those who are younger, who do a good job looking after the affairs of our church, who labour hard preaching and teaching. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we might be people who honour those that we work for and not less because they may be Christians. Our Father, we are running against our culture here and so we pray that you will give us strength and wisdom and a heart to actually do this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.